0: Here we are, folks, on Eurofolk Radio, fighting to be free. Don't you know the white race is under international slavery of the Judeo- Judeo Judeo-Communist religion. And everybody thinks they're God's chosen. What a joke. What a joke. All right. Thank you for tuning in to The Voice of Christian Israel right here on Eurofolk Radio. As usual, my co-host is Pastor David Martins. How is your... uh, uh, You're going into uh, fall. We're going into spring, but you're going into fall. How's the weather there?
1: Good evening, Pastor Eli, and also good evening to all our listeners across the globe. Yes, uh, a very hot day, 34 degrees. I I am totally un—it's totally unknown to me what that would be in Fahrenheit. I would have to do a quick conversion, perhaps somewhere during the
0: maybe Ninety probably. A a very sweltering
1: day, and uh, we've had some uh, what we call um, uh, electricity blackouts rolling through the country because of the incapabilities of the government and, of course, their black economic empowerment, having uh, taken control over South Africa's Electricity Supply Commission quite a number of years ago, and having laid laid off so many of the white engineers, mm-hmm. that uh, it has become a virtual nightmare for ESCOM to try and keep all the electricity generation or generators in the uh, various power generation plants, Yeah, all of them alive and active. It's one of the things we, what we've also seen is not just the electricity, every uh, parastatal every um, uh, state uh, 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 service that uh, um, The state is supposed to provide Uh, out of all these state services. The only one that seems to be operational is the revenue, the receiver of revenue or the uh, South African revenue services, something similar to the Federal Reserve in America or the uh, what do you have in in America, the the receiver of revenue?
0: Yeah, yeah, well, IRS, yeah, Internal Revenue Service.
1: Now, that is the only, or well, it seems like it's the only uh, government service or the government department that is operational because every other one has failed. Um, South yeah. South Africa's. Uh, and, well, how and, can
0: how can the receiver of money fail? <laughs> right? They got all the money. But-
1: Right. <laughs> but, but 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 faster. It, it is becoming more and more evident that the South African government or the South African rev, Revenue Services uh, is not run by the government. Uh, um, oh, oh. I have reason to. Be, I have reason to believe that they are merely making use of government agents, yeah, and officers, um, in, in mm-hmm. and, and officers. But um, I, I think it is uh, a far more powerful entity that is running the revenue services because of the way in which it is run
0: Good.
1: however um, the the what we do know is that uh, with the draining of well Trump said that he wanted to drain the swamp in South right. America right they are the the ANC government is busy draining the banks,
0: right? Uh, <laughs> right. And, yep.
1: and all, all the reserves that South Africa had, I, I believe that there was something like 300 tons of gold that South Africa had in reserve. With the change of government way back in 1994, mm-hmm. and that was shipped. That was shipped under an agreement that was called uh, Project Hammer in which uh hammer and sickle
0: project hammer and sickle (laughs) uh, shipped to the rothschilds uh, is my guess please continue yes absolutely but uh some of it ended
1: up in great britain some of it ended up in the federal reserve and some of it ended up in swiss bank accounts Uh uh-huh so
0: yeah why are we not surprised (laughs)
1: <laughs> it, it makes for a very interesting, it, it could make for a very, very interesting show. I I have um, I, I just quickly browsed through uh, the details of Project Hammer some time ago, most probably about two years ago or more, and uh, that would be a very interesting discussion, Right, uh, because uh, one one can safely say that this is the same thing that happened to Libya, the same thing that happened to uh, Saddam Hussein's. Um, uh, um, uh, government, Saddam, Iraq, we'll
0: yeah. government, mm-hmm. Iraq, mm-hmm.
1: Be, be, because um, it is one way to ensure that the the future of a country and its people lies squarely within the hands of the Rothschilds or the uh, the the international jury. That's right. And uh, um, South Africa is clearly, very clearly, it's uh, uh, it's it's not. Run by by the ANC, it's run by people with more power and more aggressive uh, behaviour in the background somewhere. Yes, of course, Sina s- van Rensburg did prophesy in his uh, in his uh, scenes He did uh, prophesy about uh, the the s- South Africa being run by what he called the Doringbos Regering, the Thorn Bush government. <sighs> And uh, of course, the th- Thornbush government is um, exactly what uh, those who had run the, the uh, South African government before, um, and of course, uh-huh. was with the with the blacks being put into power very diligently by the previous ANC, uh, so, sorry by the previous Cape Dutch Afrikaner government, right? Uh, virtually all being
0: well Yes. Yeah, uh, be, uh, because yeah, Van Rensburg was a very diligent reader of the Bible. Uh, yes. he either taught himself or his mother taught him how to read a Bible, and uh, the, this, as the story goes, that's uh, all he ever read was the Bible. He never read any you know newspapers or anything like that. But uh, that would indicate that he would be familiar with Numbers thirty-three fifty-five in which Yahweh tells the Israelites that if you don't eradicate these Edomites off the face of the earth they will be they will return and become pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides right hmm. uh, Deuteronomy uh,
1: w- which was that 28 3355
0: Deuteronomy 33 33 Yes, yeah, and I, okay. I, I can bring it up. By the way, Matthew tells us that 34 degrees is 93 degrees Fahrenheit. So, 93, roughly thereabouts, yeah. is, is the temperature in your neck of the woods. Yeah, so uh, yeah. I think uh, by that statement, Mr. Rensberg was uh, making a, a, a biblically qualified statement.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think uh, he, he was... Uh, More than just a seer, he was definitely a Boer prophet, Uh because he could also, during the uh, 1914 rebellion, he also served with uh, some of the Boer rebel groups, and he would actually advise them on um, safe passages, etc., now, that was a thorn in the side of Jan Smuts, the Cape right. Dutch Afrikaner Freemason. atheist right. yeah, yeah. Whom we have already uh, identified as a Trojan horse that had come uh-huh. into the Boer ranks for the purpose of um, hijacking the Boer republics out of the hands of the Boers.
0: Right, right. So he might have had you know, some insight into the fact that these Freemasons and Cape Dutch Afrikaners were, in fact, the people of the thorn, (laughs) right? Esau. He must have had some insight into that. Very, very interesting. Okay, so uh, while you brought up Jan Smuts, and uh, last Wednesday we did the special show on the Day of Prayer and Fasting for the Boer people and the white race worldwide, and uh, we had uh, described, uh, leading up to the First Anglo-Boer War, how the... You know, the, the Boer people were able to establish their two republics. Actually, it was originally three uh, from your mm. uh, analysis in the past. But the Transvaal yes. and the Orange Free State, the two big Boer uh, republics, and how the British had sent British nationals into the Boer republics in order to ultimately outvote them. And this created mm. Uh, tension between the boer people and the british government because you know who are you to send these uh, you know like here in america who are you to send these mexicans into our country to outvote us right <laughs> okay the yeah. same thing's happening to us so by by deliberately flooding the enemy shall come in as a flood by deliberately mm. flooding these boer republics with british subjects to antagonize the Boers, it seems to me. Well, this would be Rothschild doing. They're yeah. they're really guilty of starting the first Anglo Boer War. Over to you. Yes,
1: Pastor. Um, uh, one must remember that uh, when uh, diamonds were discovered within the area that had been pro- that had been proclaimed by the Boers as part of their republic, and the diamonds being Discovered, I think it was in 1967. Um, it, it might have, it's just passed my mind now exactly what the date was. However, um, the uh, British then annexed the Northern Cape, which is the environs of uh, Kimberley, though it was originally part of the Boer Republic of the Orange Free State, so it got annexed. But it was never, the the Boers never um, uh, uh, opposed that. Uh, They thought that uh, by letting the British have the diamonds, they would keep their land. Of course, that was short-lived because of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners having enticed and incited uh, the British to come and annex the Boer Republics um, uh, in, in spite of the Sand River Convention, which had been uh, uh, taken place in 1852 uh, 18, uh, and the uh, Bloemfontein Convention that took place in 1854. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the, the the British had uh, given full uh, um, sovereignty to the two Boer Republics with agreements on either side in terms of the dealing with uh, contraventions, etc. However, with the... Uh, and Enticing of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, the British did come and um, invaded the Boer republics without a shot being fired. And of course, that they—they, uh, uh, they, uh, I think it was in 1877, which uh, uh, when the when the British uh, invaded the Boer republics, and in eighteen the 16th of December 1880. That was when the first shots were being fired or got fired with the outbreak of the first Anglo-Boer War. Now mm-hmm. it is of it is of significance that at the time there were many Dutch Afrikaners that had already gone into the Boer republics of uh, the uh, the Orange Free State. In fact, um, it, it it is evident that they were. Uh, set up, or they were used as as um, entices, uh, provoking people from across the globe to come and invade the Boer mm-hmm. Republic. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so it's 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 definitely a uh, a, a a very. But, but that was not the 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 greatest part of the conspiracy. The greatest part of the conspiracy actually occurred be before the uh, onset of the Second Anglo-Boer War. Uh, However, when the First Anglo-Boer War broke out, there were a number of skirmishes and for a period of 10 weeks, there were frequent skirmishes between the Boers and the British and uh, the last being the uh, Battle of Majuba where uh, the Boers had managed to uh, uh, take full control of the the, um, terrain and to have the, uh, and, and, and taken the uh, British, uh, the whole British force into. Right. Um, uh, uh, yeah.
0: Okay, well, yeah, let's back up. Let's back up to, you know, the diamonds and gold were discovered. And the British Empire under the Rothschilds. It was Rothschilds and their Jewish agents. The the Rothschilds would not allow the grabbing of the gold and diamond mines by Anybody else other than Jews. Okay? Yeah. So, uh, because um, they don't trust anybody else to handle their money, right? What they claimed. Go ahead.
1: At at that stage, yet the the Rothschilds were not directly involved.
0: Okay. So, how did that develop? Yeah, go ahead. The Rothschilds
1: became involved when, after the First Anglo Boer War, uh, the, the, when the British had left, even leaving some of the cannons and the uh, artillery behind, okay. of course, that was then taken by the Boers and it became part of the Boers' protection of the Boer Republics. Right. Now, uh, then the the Afrikaners, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, were highly annoyed by the fact that the Boers had managed to totally overwhelm the the British in spite of the fact that they were the Boers were outnumbered close to 11 to 1. Right. And immediately the Cape Dutch Afrikaners then started a campaign whereby they uh, they were sending messages across the globe with false accusations of uh, contraventions by the Boers of the uh, the various conventions, the Sand River Convention 1852, the Bloemfontein Convention of 1854, and then also the Pretoria Convention. Now, I think the Pretoria Convention was in 1886, but they they were ac- accusing the Boers of uh, w- of a genocide of the black people that surrounded the Boer republics, and they they dished up various. Lies and deceptions in their aim to get the the British back into the into a war with the Boers, and by uh, by virtue of laming and and uh, I would say paralyzing the Boer um, ranks, they then started marketing the Afrikaner bond, in particular the Onze Jan Hofmeyer, we spoken, we've spoken so much about in the past, Onze Jan Hofmeyer started marketing the Afrikaner bond in the Boer Republics. In particular, Onze Jan Hofmeyer was a Freemason and also so was the President of the Orange Free State, President F. W. Reitz. And President Reitz, being a Freemason, saw Onse Jan Hofmeyer as a brother and even accommodated him for a period of time while Onse Jan then marketed the Afrikaner bond with some (laughs) of the Boer Generals. Now the Boer Generals started believing Onse Jan Hofmeyer that the British were going to come and steal our land. They um, used a very similar strategy which the Cape Dutch Afrikaners are using today and that is by uh, creating a sense of fear and this is a very very fear mongering
0: -mongering, we call it (laughs) right
1: that's right they Uh they fear mongering amongst the the Boers enticing the Boers into joining their groups and their uh, well in the case of the um, uh, uh, Second Anglo-Boer War into their Afrikaner bond, and so many of the Boers started calling themselves Afrikaners because they right. they were enticed okay. the Afrikaner bond, and they had to okay. to see.
0: Well, that's very interesting because, uh, well, I was in South Africa. I was given a uh, a placard, you know, a drawing of the uh, Afrikaners and the Boer people celebrating with one another you know, in a, in a military victory. So this yeah. must be that time when the Boer people were uh, tricked into thinking mm. of themselves as Afrikaners when in fact the Afrikaners are in fact descendants of the Edomites of the Bible, okay, yeah. in, in league with the, the Bank of England and the Dutch East India Company. Back to you. Yeah,
1: but, but one must also remember that the the Boers were stripped of their identity because of the way in which the Dutch East Indian Company, uh, which of course included Jan van Riebeeck and his successors Simon van der Stel and um, mm-hmm. the the other administrators of the the Cape yeah. Colony at the time,
0: yeah, they, they right. had
1: stripped the Boers of their true identity, and that was also the reason why the Boers had then set out to to distance themselves from the Dutch Reformed Church and form their own Reformed Church. Right. And this Reformed Church was also part of some of the the track groups that uh, left the the Cape, the vicinity of the Western Cape and track Uh inland. And right. um, to, to Natal and also to the Orange Free State or establishing right. the Republics so of the Free State. Right, right. Okay. And
0: yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's back up from that because you were talking about the times between the First and Second Anglo-Boer Wars. Uh, run us through how the diamond and gold discoveries led to the First Anglo-Boer War. How did all that transpire? Um,
1: uh the, um, the the diamonds w- were initially discovered in uh, the extreme west of the orange free State what is currently the known as the orange free State okay and that led that led to um, in, in particular the um, uh, the, the diamond uh, where today's big hole is in Kimberley so, so it was initially discovered in the the extreme west of the Orange Free State. Okay. And of course, when when they discovered diamonds there, it, it, this caused so many other Cape Dutch Africaners to now flood to the Orange Free State oh. and to start delving, um the the farmers' fields and 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 uh, especially oh. along the rivers, etc. This led to a lot of this this oh, and this this oh, yeah. discontentment yeah. and the Boers who on whose farms these foreigners were coming to just Delve uh, got annoyed and they were asking for the, the, the state's protection or the right the governmental so. governments of, Rightfully yeah. so. Yeah. And
0: Absolutely.
1: this was this was one of the reasons when they uh, attempted to uh, apply taxes on these uh, uh. Let, let's say these these mm. hijacking or these um, uh, uh, delvers who came in into the area thieving right. the Boers diamonds they, they wanted to apply a tax to them and that was when the Cape Dutch Afrikaners then um, had a sort of revenge and they Decided they were going to have this whole area flooded by foreigners.
0: Uh huh. Okay. And yeah, that a, was a, a kind didn't. of non-violent, a, a pick and shovel, a pick and shovel invasion, not invasion with guns. That's correct. Right. So, so who's trying to tax whom here? The the Boer people are trying trying to get the, the, Bur- the Cape Dutch to pay taxes. Uh,
1: well, well, um, not just the Cape Dutch. Remember, the Cape Dutch were then followed by um, uh, 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 delvers Brits. from all over the globe. Okay. so they drew a distinction between what was then called the Eitlanders or the Outlanders and the Boers.
0: Okay, okay, because all right.
1: The, the, now, um, but during this time, this was actually only for a very short period of time when the, uh, but, but what they had... Also enticed, uh, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners also enticed, and what they used was not the so much the fact that the the uh, Boer Republic wanted to uh, uh, charge a tax on the diamonds that had been discovered. Right. But they wanted, they also wanted a movement tax. In other words, there was oh, okay. a movement of people, and of course, there was no infrastructure. Right. And
0: right. Hey. But uh, yeah, I mean, let me stop you right there. Just imagine the audacity of these outlanders coming into a a sovereign republic, the Orange Free State. uh, You know, coming into taking farmers' land and using it for their own purposes against the objections of the land people who own the land. Yeah. And you know, and of course, the Orange Free State was had just been organized. And they had really no way of resisting all of this. And these are invaders. They're invaders, just like the Mexicans crossing our border, just like all the Africans and Muslims crossing into uh, Europe. These are simple invaders who have no right to be there. So uh, taxing them was actually a very mild form of public punishment. They could have organized the government to just massacre all these people because this was an invasion. Back to you. Yeah.
1: Um, over and above that, uh, there was also this invasion of the um, uh, of the uh, of Boer Republic of Transvaal. It was not just the, 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 the diamonds in the uh, western part of the orange Free State, but um, you must remember that in 1877 the British came to uh, uh, in, they invaded the Boer Republics. Now that already set a situation where, by the invasion of the Boer Republics by the British, in spite of the Sand River Convention, which was a total contravention of this, uh, con- the the a contravention of the convention that had been drafted and agreed upon by the Boers and the British alike.
0: Right, absolutely. Now, now over yeah.
1: over and above that, there was also the um, w- what was called the Swazi. Um, war. Uh, Because of the Swazis having marauded the Boer Republics, there was a reprisal by the Boers and this also was seen as part of the reason why the British had come to invade the Boer Republic of Transvaal. Now, of course, with with that particular event, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners uh, uh, propagated or uh, used that as a propaganda that the Boers were now invading the Swazis, they were invading um, the, the Tswanas, they were invading everybody else. But the fact that those reprisal attacks were, uh, uh, the fact that those were reprisal attacks, not that uh, they instigating attacks, uh, that, that uh, of course, the, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners denied or did not take a recognition of, exactly in the same way as NASPARs today. Ignore the fact that blacks kill whites but the moment that the white man should have a reprisal or should defend himself and kill a black now it is murder and it is uh, uh, this this white person has a uh, a, a various stages of personality assassination by the Afrikaner Cape Dutch, uh, Cape Dutch, Afrikaner newspapers. You can see how history repeats itself. You can see how the exact same tactics that were used prior to the first Anglo-Boer War were also used by the Cape Dutch Afrikaners prior to the second Anglo-Boer War and are also being used today in exactly the same way. It's just that they have become more uh, uh, effective because of the way in which they now control all the Afrikaans speaking uh, media in the country, the the way in which they control the TV, the way in which they control satellite TV, they control uh, television programs, they control so much that the Boer Boer people don't have an official mouthpiece in this country. We we haven't had an official mouthpiece um, since 1902. There's been nothing... Uh, left for the Boer to express their wishes, to express their freedom of speech. Nothing has been taken away from them. They've been subjugated to the Cape Dutch Afrikaners and the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, every Cape Dutch Afrikaner purports to be speaking for and on behalf of the Boers. And the Boers have reached the point where they say, no more. Well, during the 90s uh, there was a radio station which was called Radio Pretoria And uh, you can recall when you visited us um, on a few occasions, I did turn it on and we did listen to it. And I still said to you that this radio station had been hijacked by the Freemasons. Mm -hmm. If you can recall.
0: Right. And,
1: and uh, And this, in fact, is so this radio station, Radio Pretoria, even had the Boer clear the flag of the Boer Republic, and it, it, uh, for a few years, it, it uh, expressed to a large degree either the voice of the Boers or the voice of the Cape Dutch that were purporting to be Boers, but then it became entangled by AFRI Forum, and we've spoken about AFRI Forum, the Proto-Jewish, Cape-Dutch-African organization, also purporting to be a, uh, an, an organization that stands for the rights of the, in particular, the white people in South Africa. However, they are the ones that when the Human Rights Commission had, uh, had found that the singing of this song, the, the, the Boer genocide song, Kill a Farmer, Kill the Boer, was hate speech. And it was forbidden that Afri Forum then went and made a court case ensuring that the blacks can sing that song without fear of uh, conviction or without fear of uh, persecution or prosecution rather. Or so, every the, the, Forum ensured, uh, along with Agri-SA, can, can you believe it? Every mm. Forum takes, takes uh, one of these South African agricultural unions, a large agricultural union, They take with him to court for the purpose of ensuring that the blacks might and can sing the genocide song against the Boers. Can you believe it? But that's the way these Cape Dutch Afrikaner Edomites, that's the way they operated way back in in the uh, 1800s, enticing the British to come and invade the Boer Republics. That's the way they operated when the British were here enticing the war to, be, uh, uh, to to take place, that's why they enticed or they um, orchestrated the Jamison invasion, that's why they orchestrated the uh, second Anglo-Boer war, right. that is why they also instigated the uh, mm-hmm. establishment of constri- concentration camps and then in spite of the concentration camps, they then enticed the um, scorched earth policy.
0: Right, right. Okay, so uh, leading up to the First Anglo-Boer War was the discovery of diamonds and gold and the invasion of the outlanders, invasion of the nation snatchers, as it were. And uh, uh, there had to be a lot of bribery of Boer people, a lot of deception of the Boer people. And, uh, you know... Uh, theft of Boer Boer lands uh, be, leading up to the First Anglo Boer War because this was economic war. This was full frontal economic war against the Boer people, headed by the Jewish banksters of the Bank of England. Okay. Well, because, well
1: Pastor, at that stage, at that stage, it was not yet the Jewish bankers. No. Um, okay. Remember that was prior to the First Anglo Boer War. But there were other issues as well. Um, For for example, I did mention that there was a war with the Zulus. The Second Kunia was, I think, the tribal leader. Uh, There was this war with the Second Kunia. And uh, out of that, of course, stemmed the uh, convention of Pretoria. I think it was in 1876. However... um, the very important thing that one must also remember at this stage, when the, when the Cape Dutch Afrikaners enticed the British to come and inv- invade the Boer Republics, the British did not really need an invitation because there was this, uh, they had already colonized as part of the Cape Colony the tremendous wealth of the Kimberley Diamond Mine. and. There was more of it that they thought that they would come and collect and they wanted to annex the Boer Republics as well. So the British didn't really need an invitation, but when they were given this invitation, they came and of of course that then led to the um, uh, the, the First Anglo-Boer War. But of great significance, when the British left after the Battle of Majuba, and of course, that being the 27th of February, 19 sorry, 1890 uh, sorry, 1881, was the Battle of Majuba, and the British had left. Not long after that, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners started what what I mentioned about um, the campaign to market the Afrikaner bond amongst the Boers, because they felt that the British did not achieve the aims that they wanted. The Cape Dutch Afrikaners saw the Boer Republics as the, their first objective and a stumbling block towards their aim of making Africa for the Af- Afrikaners. Remember, that was their mm-hmm. slogan, Africa. Africa for the Afrikaners. And they saw the Boer Republics as the first target, the first uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, the, 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 the first, first
0: obstac- obst- obstacle in their way. That's right. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yes. Okay. Okay. So, so
1: the, they they wanted the Boer republics. They wanted to control the Boer republics. And they wanted to subjugate the Boers hmm. unto, uh, unto themselves as, as cheap labor. However, there was prior to the first Anglo-Boer war already... There was this conspiracy that we've spoken about sometime already or so, uh, on a number of occasions. And this conspiracy was in particular about the racial conflict between Cape Dutch Afrikaners and the Boers. Now re- remember that many of the Boers still knew that they were the de- descendants of the House of Jacob because they knew that up to the end of the Second Anglo-Boer War it was written about it. In fact, um I think it was uh, about three years ago I stumbled across a an article in the one of the British newspapers where they uh, had actually stated that the the state of Israel should follow that which the Boers had uh, followed by uh, accepting a multi-racial society mm-hmm. and but but again here they, mistook the Cape Dutch Afrikaners for the Boers, because one must realize that one of the objectives was of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, after the subjugation of the Boers, was to have the Boers to fully assimilate the Cape Dutch Afrikaner way of life and also become Cape Dutch Afrikaners, or also to become Afrikaners. It was a very important aspect of their existence or the objectives that the Cape Dutch Afrikaners had. And I'm going to state it here, that their objective was that from that time, the eighth generation of the Afrikaners will rise as a phoenix out of the ash of the Hmm. totally depleted Boer existence. So they would rise up as the Boers. Mm. Now, the objective is the genocide of the Boers. That is it, the genocide of the Boers. That was the objective in every aspect. If they couldn't get it by way of wars, they would then get right. it by way of subjugation. If they can't get it by way of subjugation, they would get it by depriving the Boers of food, of their farms, of their country, of their wealth, right. in every way okay. possible.
0: Right, now, were the Boer people at all aware of this conspiracy by the Afrikaners against them? Was there anybody that had understanding of this at that time?
1: Uh, Pastor, yes, they, they were, um, there were some of the Boers that did know about it, but they weren't allowed to speak about it because they were persecuted for being Boers in the mm-hmm. first place. And then right. if, if you consider that after the 1914 rebellion, that every Boer mm. that opposed Jan Smuts and Louis Boerter were were actually hunted down like dogs, and that is also stated in uh, some of the... Um, uh, 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 the the evidence that I have of this, they were hunted down like dogs and shot, or they were poisoned. Now you can remember when uh, we visited General Mahni uh General Mani, Maruts, uh, General Mani son. One of the things that he, um, uh, he he mentioned was the way in which he went with his mother to actually identify. His father in the morgue after his father had been poisoned, if you can recall.
0: Right. Yeah. Mhm. Yes. So, okay. Well, but you know, the, the, while you're saying that, let, let me interrupt you because this is very pertinent to our situation here in America. Those of us who wish to expose the Jewish conspiracy against the white race are shouted down. We're prevented from speaking. So is this is exactly parallel to what you're just thri- describing right here.
1: Yes, absolutely. The moment you oppose an Edomite, Pastor, they go for the throat. They are like wolves. They go for the throat. They want to eradicate any, anybody that opposes them. If they can't get it physically in a way in which that person is permanently removed out of the society, they will go for character assassination, they will go for victimization, they will even go for... um, uh, uh, Well, I I, I don't want to uh, express my experiences here in the past, but uh, they, they will not stop at anything. To shut a person down and to prevent the person from saying what needs to be said. That opposes and, and ex- exposes the Cape Dutch Afrikaners way of operation.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: You could you yeah. hear that
0: Pastor? Well, uh, please repeat. Please repeat. Uh.
1: Um, I What I said was, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners being the Edomites that they are, they cannot tolerate anybody opposing them in terms of what they are, their, 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 their agendas are, the conspiracies are, the moment that the person speaks out and exposes that, he becomes a threat to them and they then become a threat to him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that, is, that is why the Boer leaders, the Boer generals, were um, uh, hunted down like dogs and either shot or uh, 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 poisoned. And what we have... Uh, In South Africa over the past, well, even with the white government, especially with the white government, uh, after 1994, before 1994, if I spoke on on an international radio station like I'm doing now, I would have had somebody knocking on my door while I'm still busy. Right. I would have been taken (laughs) into custody. (laughs) And before I would arrive at the place of, of, of safekeeping, as they would term it, the place of keeping, I would have been dead. Right. That's the way they have operated over the past um, uh, 80 years or the previous 80 years. Anybody that opposes them, it, and it started with Jan Smuts, anybody that opposed Jan Smuts and Louis Bota did not e- exist for very long after that. It was a well-known fact.
0: Yes, So yes. Uh, okay. All right, so with all of this subterfuge leading up to the First Anglo-Boer War, what is it that caused the first shots to be fired? And then we can get to the Battle of Majuba and, you know, we'll tell the whole story.
1: Yes. Uh, okay. faster, uh on the on the 16th of December, as you know, it's the Day of the, the Vow, uh, it was the day that the Boers had also fought the Battle of Blood River against the Zulus. Uh, it was also day of remembrance of that particular uh, victory that Father Yahweh okay. had given unto them. And right. Then, now,
0: was that by design? Was that intentional that the first shots would be fired on, uh, on December 16th?
1: Uh, pastor, I think it was uh, by provocation. Let me explain why okay. I say that.
0: Okay. In, on on
1: the 16th of December 1878, in spite of the fact that the British had already invaded the Boer Republics of Transvaal and the Free State, uh, the Boers were prevented from uh, gathering together to uh, uh, as, as a day of remembrance of the day of the vow of Battle of uh, the Blood River. However, there were a group of about 400 Boers that decided that they were going to, in spite of the British... Uh, 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 attempt to prevent the Boers from getting together, they got together at this place called wonderfontein which is very close or which is part of Krugersdorp, uh, just west of Johannesburg. And the Boers got together and they made a vow with Father Yahweh, and it's called the vow of wonderfontein Okay. And they, they packed a pile of rocks as prescribed or as is indicated in scriptures. Yes. Now, then it become, became known that there was another vow that was made on 1887, um, uh, 16th December, and the Boers decided, the Boer Republic's uh, uh, government, the Volksrat, decided to make it a general uh, um, uh, 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 vow for the whole Boer people. So they called on the 16th of Debs, December 1880, they called for the Boers to now gather at Pardigral, which is not very far from Wonderfontein They moved this pile of rocks from Wonderfontein to Pardigral, and they at Pardigral they re-established, they reconfirmed the mm. the vow of Blood River, and they also confirmed the vow that was made two years prior, which was called the vow of Wonderfontein But they also decided to make a new vow which is called the vow of Pardekral under the yoke of the British that had already come over them and they then uh, as a group of approximately 4,000 Boers and families etc they then took it upon themselves to stand with this vow of Pardekral and Shortly after this vow had been taken uh, at Paardekraal, uh, a Boer that uh, was transporting stuff by horse wagon through Bloemfontein in the Free State was stopped by a British garrison and his horse and his horse cart and the goods that he had on the horse cart was confiscated. Because he couldn't pay the, a, a toll fee. The mm. British uh, demanded a toll for him to pay. And he couldn't pay that. So they confiscated his goods and his horse and his horse cart. So this farmer, this boer farmer, then went to some of his friends. And he said, this is what happened. So they went as a group of farmers to demand back the, this boer's horse and cartred, uh, cart cart horse cart and also his goods that was uh, on the cart and then the British stated that they cannot give it back to him because he couldn't pay the toll they had sold it it was then Uh,
0: sold to
1: to pay his toll
0: fees and that was (laughs) and then then he had nothing left to transport right? (laughs) exactly (laughs) amazing
1: it was soon after that that the uh, because of that that was when the first shots were being fired that right. led to the or that um, initiated the first Anglo Boer War. Now, on the there were a number of, of uh, uh, um, battles that had been uh, fought, amongst which close to to Pretoria, uh, but uh, they were isolated. Uh, events down in natal there was right. an event the uh, i think it was uh, 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 general peter vet whom had uh, gone down to natal to stop a uh, 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 an, an a group of british soldiers a large consignment or large garrison mm-hmm. of british uh, soldiers that were being moved to the transvaal to uh, support the existing garrisons of british soldiers in the in in and uh, so they had the battle of um uh, in uh, i think it was the battle of colenso that was being fought in um Transvar. in natal natal okay in, uh, that was in natal on on the way where um where we had um left the, the main road down to durban to okay. go to the 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 site of the um of, of uh, the Blood River. Right. Uh, another about 80 to 100 kilometers further is what, where that particular battle had taken place. Now, that battle was a very evenly fought battle with um, uh, um, uh, losses on either side, but, uh, of course, there were greater losses on the British side because there were more of them than there were of the Boers, but the Battle of Majuba. Was in an extraordinary uh, and a, 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 a clear-cut victory for the Boers, a tremendous victory for the Boers, because mm-hmm. even the the commander of the British garrison and at the Battle of Blood River had been killed, and the British didn't know what to do because they were never trying to lose; they were trying to win.
0: Ah, right? And yeah.
1: So. So they were taken into into custody or into, as, as um, uh, uh, okay. what do you call them? Yeah,
0: uh, camps, you know, uh, prisoner camps.
1: Uh, prisoners, they were taken prisoner.
0: Yeah. And uh, soon after that, they
1: decided to, to withdraw and they left South Africa. And
0: okay. uh,
1: that was the end of the battle of or the, 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 okay. um, the First Anglo World War. Uh, and, and some people refer to this as the Ten Weeks War. Uh, when the smallest and the youngest nation, nation on this planet gave the largest empire on this planet the hiding of its lives right in spite of spite of and being in, <laughs> right.
0: in,
1: in spite of of the fact that the Boers were outnumbered approximately 11 to 1. Right, they still beat the British at their own well, okay. game. okay, they were not even soldiers.
0: Or I attribute this to the re-establishment of the vow at Blood River, uh, December 16th, 1880. Correct? Is that the correct date? That's Correct right. Year? Okay. So yes. Yahweh gave the Boer people this tremendous victory because they still were dedicated to the vow they took way back at Blood River.
1: Right? Absolutely, and, okay. they, and they had made two new vows, uh, one new vow two years before, and the new vow on in on the 16th of December, 1890.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, but now that site at Blood River is controlled by the Cape Dutch. Yes. And I would think that the, the last thing they would permit is for the Boer people to retake those vows on that piece of property. Where, you, uh, you said... Post- you said those stones were moved somewhere else. Where, where are those stones now?
1: Pastor, those stones were moved from Wonderfontein where they had established the well, or they reiterated the Blood River well on the 16th of December, mm-hmm. 1878. Those stones were moved to the Pardecral site, which is a few kilometers away from where Wonderfontein is, uh-huh. and that is on the in the... Um, area of Krugersdorp, which was named after Paul Kruger. Right. Krugersdorp um, is to the western side of Johannesburg, approximately 35 okay. kilometers from the center of Johannesburg, you have
0: okay. Krugersdorp. Well, that, was, uh, that can't be very far, because you know, we uh, left Johannesburg and went to, I believe it was the western suburbs, where we visited uh, th- this, uh, not a squatter's camp, but uh, a refuge for poor whites, poor whites. Uh, uh, you know, you know uh, that, outside. go ahead. Yeah,
1: uh, that that was in the, the west of Pretoria. was pra- of Pretoria. Where? Okay, that's correct. Okay. So um, um, Krugersdorp is not very far from where we had uh, gone at that point. Okay, um, really because of uh, um, the, the the way, if if you uh, if you could view. Uh, this whole area, this whole metropolis—yeah, metropolis. it's a huge
0: metropolis. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah.
1: yeah. Um, not not very far from there, you will find um, the road that actually leads to Krugersdorp. However, okay. um, on um, I, I see we we very close to the end of the program again. Right. Yeah. There.
0: Yeah. Well, we've gotten the basic uh, you know history down, and uh, yeah. the important thing is the reestablishment of the vow. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And, and in a, perhaps in a future episode, maybe next week or maybe later, uh, we could talk about what went wrong, you know, uh, in the second Anglo-Boer war. And, uh, yeah, this- you, know, the, you know, the Boer people, uh, you know, it's easy for me to say it this way, should have been more vigilant concerning the yes. second, you know, but, you know, we make mistakes. Uh, and- Go ahead,
1: uh, but Pastor. There are uh, quite a number of things that occurred between 1881, with the um, with the um, uh, backing off of the uh, the British and mm-hmm. uh, returning to quite a number of things had happened after the uh, after 1881's victory by the Boers, right? And then, of course, the onset of the Second Anglo Boer War, which occurred nearly. Eighteen years later.
0: Oh, okay, now,
1: I so think eighteen years ju- of
0: intrigue <laughs> took place. Okay, I get it. Go ahead. Yeah,
1: and 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 it is very important. I I I have reason to believe that in this juncture, where we find ourselves currently being patronized and uh, victimized by the international Edomite jury. Right. Uh, be, 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 because we we have all become part huh. of. What happened in South Africa? Um, yeah. What happened in South Africa is being escalated in overseas countries where the okay. uh, Israelites uh, have been in in control. Right, and this is this is a, a precursor to what is going to happen mm-hmm. or what is already happening in your country what right. was already happening yes. in, in European countries and I think yeah. it is very important for for the people to know yeah. about this because it's happened in South Africa yes. but the yes. knowledge of that was totally thwarted by these Edomite, Cape right. Dutch this,
0: Afrikaners This is why we're discussing this history, it's so important yeah. because what the first Anglo-Boer war was an attempt to steal the gold from the Boer, the golden diamonds from the Boer people, okay? But that was kind of impetuously determined. And then the Rothschilds realized, okay, we've got to plan this very, very carefully so we don't lose another battle. And so it took them 18 years to concoct the pretext to invade your country yet again.
1: But uh, faster, you preempting something there. The, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners were not happy with the fact that the British did not annex the Boer republics, and right. annihilate the Boers at right. that point. Right, right. So they yeah. orchestrated a number of things, that, that, and this this is the important thing that I wanted okay. to, uh, okay. to to express in the and in the next program to, okay. to uh, when we get an opportunity.
0: Three because there left.
1: is so <laughs> much about this 18 years between the First yeah. Anglo-Boer War and the Second Anglo-Boer War, which is also a very great number of intriguing, uh, or it's, it's yeah. quite an intrigue about what happened.
0: Right, right, yeah. And people need to know how the international Jew operates in destroying nations to deprive them of their wealth. And that's what Absolutely. this is all about. And then in the process, they destroyed your identity.
1: And... To take control of the banks is the most Mm -hmm. powerful because once you control the banks, you also control the government.
0: Right. Yes, absolutely. 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 So uh, so I hope that the people of South Africa listening to this show appreciate the strategy that has been employed against them by these Edomites who are the children of the devil. They're not God's chosen people. They are the children of the devil. And come out of their slumber and understand who they are and invoke the name of Yahweh in their daily endeavors to rid Mm. your country of these parasites. Absolutely. That's what needs to happen. So, again, let me recite this prayer. Father Yahweh, we thank you for the insights provided here by Pastor Martin's, the knowledge and the biblical and the biblical viewpoint that we share with the Israelites of the world. Come down and smite these impostors. Smite them and destroy them because they have done to us what is unconscionable. They have tried to wipe us off the face of the earth. Come back. Let your son Yashua come back and do what was prophesied in the prophecy of the tares. And destroy them, because we are not in a position to do it so ourselves. We thank you in advance, Father Yahweh. Please send your son Amen. as quickly as possible to do this job. Thank you. Amen. Okay. Hallelujah. You got him. You got a minute. Yes. Okay.
1: Uh, Pastor, yes. Uh, tremendous. The, the tremendous message that we have is all written up in the book of Obadiah. When Father Yahweh totally annihilates and rips this world of the Edomites, the scourge of Edomites that have controlled, manipulated, um, and, and prosecuted and persecuted in every way possible the people of the uh, descendants of the house of Jacob.
0: Yes, yes. Okay, uh, thank you, Pastor Martins. We're just about out of time, and uh, we, we need to say thank you to all the listeners. Pray to Yahweh. Make sure that his son, Yahshua, is standing next to you in the days ahead because it's going to get worse. It is going to get worse. All right. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. Bye-bye. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh.